1: I'm Amanda Anguish and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and today I have with me my co-host Dr. Katie Elson. I'm
0: a clinical psychologist.
1: Mm -hmm. And we're here today talking about something that I think is kind of gone to the back burner, although some people are paying attention to it more, and that is suicide. We hear a lot about COVID and deaths with that at this point, this last year, but we're actually hearing a lot about suicide too, these things that happen you know, behind the scenes where when our focus is just on COVID. So we're going to talk about that today. A
0: different epidemic.
1: Yes, a different epidemic. Thank you. That's so true. And um, Katie, some of the statistics that we've been hearing lately um, about suicide, some of those I know you've you know about that. What are those? Yeah. So when we
0: think about all the different kind of leading causes of death, we typically Mm -hmm. think about car accidents. We think about cancer. We think about Mm -hmm. all these diseases. We think about COVID. Yeah. But suicide is a leading cause of death, you know, in general, top 10. Mm -hmm. But specifically among teens, which is our focus today, it's the second leading cause of death.
1: Man, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Really serious. And so We've talked a little bit about this, how important this is to discuss this, and we kind of wanted to do something a little bit different today than just talk about the statistics and everything. We wanted to kind of get a parent versus teen perspective on this sort of situation And what parents might be experiencing, what the teens who might be feeling suicidal are experiencing. And so we're going to kind of do a little back and forth on that. So why do you think these rates are so high? We are hearing a lot about it, or maybe not as much right now, but pre-COVID we were hearing more about it, but it doesn't seem to be dropping the rates. So why do you think that this is happening right now?
0: I mean, from a teen's perspective, I think isolation is a key component, and I don't Mm -hmm. just mean physical isolation, although that's also a component during the pandemic, but isolation in the sense of having false sense of connection, right? Social media, and I'm not just saying social media for, you know, the general things we talk about, but it's just this emptiness that a lot of teens are feeling, and so if you don't feel connected, right, you don't have that sense of purpose through connection, and that can often lead to considering suicide
1: yeah some of my clients that you know the teen clients that i work with i know a lot of them are really frustrated with covid because even though they were tending to spend a lot of time in their rooms you know on media and stuff like that they're feeling now i guess it's one thing when you're a teen when you're forced to be alone versus (laughs) when you choose to do it and so a lot of them are so frustrated like i just can't go out and do anything it's almost like a permanent you know, your grounded situation mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be relieving maybe a little bit more now. So but that's one of the things that I hear. Anything that you hear, too, that teenagers might be talking about that might be contributing to that?
0: Yeah. And for, for me, what I think about is, you know, the rates of suicide were increasing way before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. when people say, oh, it's because I'm physically isolated, it's yes as well as there was the isolation before the actual physical Absolutely isolation. Yeah. And so it's important to recognize there are things I can do even if I'm physically isolated to still be connected, right? So I think the isolation is a key component, but also um, in regards to like sense of purpose and meaning in life. Um, if you think about the way that life is structured for teens these days, it's there's a lack of that. Um, I don't know if you want to comment. I know that you've had a lot of experience working with teens. Yeah,
1: that's that. I'm so glad you brought that up because it reminded me. Um, I read a book, not the whole book. It's quite a lengthy book, but, um, it's called teen 2.0 and it's can't remember his name, but he talks about how over history, uh, the way we've treated teenagers, there wasn't actually a term for teenager. It was like adolescence, not adolescence, but childhood, and then you become an adult. There wasn't this extra you know, step. And kids or teens, they used to have jobs at home. They used to work side by side with their parents. And now we've sort of given them this idea that well, this is a holding pattern zone in your life until you actually do the main thing, which is go and get a job. So a lot of teams, they're not working. And so they are spending more time by themselves. They're not getting that connection with other coworkers when they're not in school or that kind of thing. And they don't have that, like you said, that sense of purpose and like, hey, there's something I can contribute to the world besides Mm -hmm. just taking up space.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important to consider because some people, I would say even especially parents, they ask, how do I know when my my child is suicidal? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Beyond just the typical teenage hormones, one of the things to look out for is worthlessness. Right. That's beyond just the typical teen presentation of changes but this worthlessness have no sense of purpose or meaning or contribution to the world
1: and i can i can almost hear them tell me this you know right now they'll say things like oh there's really no reason for me to be here Mm -hmm. no No one would care if i wasn't here tomorrow absolutely yeah they say that's a big one no one would care if i wasn't here they probably don't want me around anyway my parents Mm -hmm. just say that i take up too much you know, of their time or something mm-hmm. like no that. No one would miss me. Yeah, no one would miss me. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really doing anything anyway. And so that's a, a real key component yeah. to why they might feel like suicidal or yeah. something like that.
0: Worthlessness. And then I think what you also just touched on is hopelessness, right? Hope for the future. If I don't think I'm contributing, also, I don't have the sense of things to look forward to or things ever changing. And I think that's one of the biggest lies of you know, one, no one will ever understand me. That's like the idea of isolation, the, you know, I'm not worthy to be here, but then the hopelessness of, well, it's never going to get better.
1: Yes. And I think when we go back to that, that real quick, before we go, you know, talk more about the hopelessness, but that not having contribution in the world I think I hear a lot of parents say, oh, I just want my kid to focus on school. Like, I don't want them to have to think about a job or anything like that. And I think – no, this might be the best time when they learn work ethic, but they also learn a sense of like their value in being here. Like I can help people. I can contribute things to the world that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe somebody else could, but they're not here to do it. And I'm in this place right now to be able to do this too. Mm -hmm. And then when we go to the hopelessness, I think of, you know, a lot of kids, they see their parents struggling And this is something where parents can be more mindful of what they're doing, too, is it's one thing to struggle. It's another thing to represent to your kids that this is as good as it's going to get. You know, so I always tell parents it don't try to hide the stuff that you're going through. Like you might be sad, you might be angry, but always end it with a sense of but we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. We're going to figure it out and we're going to get through this because If I'm a teenager and I'm seeing my parents suffer, why would I ever want to get to 30 years old, 35, 40, 45 years old if I don't see any hope in that?
0: Yeah. And I just read a quote in your office, right, (laughs) that says, you know, that the world is full of suffering, Mm -hmm. but it's also full of the The overcoming overcoming of of suffering. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's so powerful as a parent. The One little tangible thing that you can do is always end on a positive note, even if there is struggling happening in the family. Yeah,
0: because that's realistic, right? It's not it just is. being overly positive, but the reality of it all is that, yes, you may be suffering today, and this is both for parents and for teens Absolutely. that are listening, that it can get better, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just just thinking about that, it also, one of the other reasons why teenagers have a difficult time or why they say I'm suicidal right now is oftentimes they feel at the end of their coping skills. Like, I have so little ability to handle this situation. Maybe I haven't been taught how to handle. How do I deal with conflict with my best friend or with these girls or these guys that I'm in class with and they're talking to me this way? I don't know what to do. I'm completely clueless. And so, even uh, having a, that sense of "I don't have the coping skills," that's one of the things that leads to suicidal thinking and stuff. So what are what's something that maybe a parent might respond to their child if mm-hmm. if they're feeling that way?
0: So before we get to that, okay. I have a, a quick kind of thought on that. Okay. Of, you know, when they run out of coping skills, I often think about I think suicidal thoughts is a coping skill not a healthy Mm -hmm. or adaptive one, but it's an escape. If I can just think in my mind of a place where the pain doesn't exist, then, you know, I feel better for a moment. And I remember the first time I realized that as a therapist, I thought, I started empowering my clients to say, you don't actually want to kill yourself. And they like, look at me like, what are you saying? Yeah. No, if you, you want to deal with the pain, right? You're so overwhelmed. And I asked them if there's something that, I can help you in reducing the pain. Would you want to live? And all of them, no one has ever told me no. And so going back to the question of parents, like what can you do is don't freak out about the thought itself.
1: Yes. Right.
0: Recognize the underlying hurt of the thought Mm
1: -hmm. and saying, well,
0: how can we address the hurt and the pain?
1: I think that's so key, too, because one of the first responses of parents is usually one of two things. Oh, you're just being a teenager. You'll get over it. Or the other one, which is, oh, my goodness, I'm an awful parent. My kid wants to die. I can't deal with this and stuff. And so we freak out, which then leads to the kid going or the teen going, what am I doing? I'm really that bad. This must be horrible if my parents freaking out and everything. And so just having a sense to go, I'm just going to ask another question. What does suicide mean to you? Or what does what does being suicidal feel like to you? And oftentimes teens will say, I don't know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know how to handle this. And Mm -hmm. it's just it literally is a cry for help. And if parents come to that, oh, you need help. Well, let's look for help then or let's figure out how to get that help. And one of the best ways to do that, if you don't feel competent to do it or you don't know, you know, that next step is to help them say, hey, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing sometimes either, but I know there are people who help people that are in this situation let's go find a therapist or let's go find somebody to talk to for some people it might even be a pastor or something like that too but at least offering hey i don't have i don't know how to fix my car but i know how to find a mechanic Yep. i don't know how to fix my teeth sometimes but i know how to find a dentist and that's the same thing with parents when their kids are struggling I may not know how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you a bad parent, mm-hmm. but I know somebody who probably could deal with it. Yeah, And I have to add to this, one of my favorite things, and I want all the parents out there to hear this, is be willing to go to counseling with your kid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's nice when I can help them, but it's even nicer when I can help the parent help the kid. Mm-hmm. That's like the best feeling, knowing they're going back and they're going to be able to work through this.
0: And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because sometimes parents will immediately jump to, okay, let me go find somebody to help you. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes is a part of the root problem because the child is saying, I want your help. I want your attention. I want you to be there for me. And then the parent immediately is like, let's take you to counseling. There's something wrong with you. But then you said Mm -hmm. to come to counseling with them, which is saying, I'm in this with you together, right? So from the teen's perspective, you have to reach out for help. I think that's one mm-hmm. first step that teens can take away. Um, sometimes we want people to read our minds. We want people to help us, but we never communicate. I need help. So teens, ask, go to your parents, go to somebody that you trust and say, I need help.
1: Yeah, don't be afraid to say it outright, explicitly what you want.
0: Exactly. And then parents respond in a way that, hey, I hear you. You know, mm-hmm. don't dismiss it by, oh, you just want attention or or whatever the reason No, hear them. Hear that it's a cry for help. And then how can I help you? Yeah, Can I give you a hug in that moment? Can I take you to counseling? What is it that you need? I'm Mm -hmm. here, whatever you need. But parents, you have to be able to be present enough to hear the cry. Because sometimes teens are crying, but you're so busy that you don't hear
1: it. And that's a a good point, too, because I think sometimes, you know, I'll hear parents say, well, I didn't see this coming. Mm -hmm. Like, am I a bad parent? What did I do wrong? And I say, well, you know, sometimes it can be subtle, but sometimes it can be pretty obvious if you're looking for certain signs. And one of the biggest signs, I think, just to help the parents is anytime you see a big deviation from their norm, you know, if they're dressing a totally different way, just be p- start paying attention. Like, where's this coming from? What might this be about? Who are they hanging out with? Does this mean something different? Um, sometimes the way they talk, if they if you hear them be more negative, like self defeating thoughts, or, but they're coming out verbally, like, "Oh, I can't do anything right. I'm so horrible. Like nothing ever works." wow, where did this come from? They didn't talk like this last week or last month. I'm starting to become aware of this. And then just ask them. I love to tell parents, yeah. just be a mirror and reflect back to your kids sometimes what you hear, what you see. I've noticed you started changing the way you dress. Tell me about that. No judgment whatsoever. Yeah, not, just, <laughs> is it OK or is something
0: wrong? <laughs>
1: oh, my goodness. Why are you dressing like this? This is awful. You know? Yeah. But just reflect back. And then that gives the teenager an opportunity to let go of a little bit of maybe what they've been holding on to and go, yeah, well, my friends are dressing this way or something, mm-hmm. and I want to look like them. Or I just felt like I wanted to, you know, express myself this way. But it tells you something of what's going on so- inside of them, yeah. too. And
0: sometimes, explicitly asking so if they you have a a concern that they are suicidal I know a lot of parents are like you know beating around the bush or you know sometimes just explicitly asking like are you thinking about Mm -hmm. harming or killing yourself right which sometimes I've heard some parents and other people say well does that mean like I'm suggesting the idea to them that's not the first (laughs) time or the last time they're gonna hear that so definitely not suggesting Mm
1: -hmm. and that that Makes me think that I should probably, we should probably talk about this too. Is that one of the ways you might see something different is self harm behaviors, you know? Yeah. And it's really important, you know, I don't want to err on either side of this, but self harm does not necessarily mean suicide, but it still does mean that there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we live in a world where news gets around really fast and Cutting kids talking about cutting is really rampant, and so kids might cut, they may not be suicidal, but it's still a reflection of something that's going on inside of them. Why are they even trying it then?
0: And they don't know how to cope, like you mentioned, and they don't know
1: how to cope, so they're using this. So, even talking about that and saying, Hey, let me see your scars, let me see what they look like, and then saying, Hey, I think this probably needs needs to be talked about and let's go find somebody t- that we can talk to about mm-hmm. this that can help me help you yeah mm-hmm.
0: so self-harm suicide right these are things that need to be talked about and i think a, a pattern of what we're we're talking about is also important just having connection so a lot of people a lot of parents and families they wait till there's a crisis to start connecting yeah if you're listening and you recognize that there's a lack of connection in your home start you know investing in those relationships i i wanted to you know cover this really briefly is some parents will say you know i ask and i ask and my kids are not like they, they won't tell me what's something that they can do to help when a when a teen or somebody is not being willing to talk about their problems
1: that is so important i'm glad you brought that up because One of the reasons that I hear teens, because I work with a lot of them, one of the reasons why teens don't talk is the anticipation that you won't have enough time to listen or you're too busy to listen. And, And we... We let these things be known about us that we don't even realize sometimes that we're putting out there. And so one of the things I like to encourage parents to do or as parents, we can do this is to just set aside a specific amount of time to just be with your kid. And sometimes they're like, but they're not talking to me. This is so painful. I've sat here for like 15 minutes and they haven't said anything. But the fact that you're sitting there is part of the process too where your teen is going, wait, they're sitting here. And believe me, I, I I love it when I'm talking to a teen and they're not talking back. Cause I go, okay, let's see how long we can go and just <laughs> sit here in silence. I don't say that out loud to them, yeah. but I just sit there and and I I'm gonna outlast them. I already know that. I I'm very competitive, but they'll just sit there and then they'll say things like, well, why aren't you talking? And I'll go. Well, sometimes it's just nice to sit here and you know just experience each other's company. You don't have to say anything. Well, that's kind of weird. They'll say back <laughs> and stuff. But it, they're already now seeing like, oh, she's not going anywhere. She's just yeah. gonna sit here. And then they start talking, and they don't even realize the things that they're mm-hmm. saying. And it's only because I don't have anywhere else to mm-hmm. go. I'm. I've already settled into this is where I want to be right now.
0: And you're communicating to them that I care enough that. Mm-hmm. I just want to be with you, regardless of what we talk about.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that, you know, parents can do, say say the conversation isn't dead, you know, and there is some... I I think we don't often realize, and this is something that even couples can take into consideration, is sometimes we get used to just giving directives like, honey, can you pick up the kids on your way home? Can you go do this? Can you check the car for this? And to the kids, oh, you need to clean up your room. Did you get your homework done? Go set the table, that sort of thing. We forget that. Why did we have kids in the first place? We take pleasure in having little mini me's running around and watching them, you know, experience life and the little minds that get formed there, too. And so if you have the opportunity, just I like to say, make a rule for yourself. I can't say anything. I have to ask a question. Mm -hmm. So like if, for instance, I was to say, Katie, if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would that be? What would it be, Katie?
0: Oh, my. I don't don't know. The first thought that came to mind was pizza.
1: <laughs> OK, that's a big one. Yeah. But then I could say, I could say, oh, well, don't you like tacos? Yet last week you ate tacos, a ton of tacos, and you could said you could eat this forever. Well, instead, I would say, oh, what do you like about pizza that makes you want to have pizza? Mm-hmm. Now, you might get to the fact Hey, you know, now that I think about it, it's really tacos that I want to eat the rest of my life. But I let you get there. I didn't tell you how to get there. Yeah.
0: And then one other thing I tell parents is sometimes when it's a little awkward, um, you can plan a conversation in which... You know, perhaps you're walking, you're doing a hike together. You don't have to look face to face or you're taking a drive. And that sometimes helps kind of break the tension than sitting right in front of each other Mm -hmm. and saying, "Okay, you need to talk. So just tips that can help having those conversations that may not always be easy. But essentially what we're saying, it's really important just to communicate. I'm here for you.
1: And I think that I think you've probably experienced this even as a therapist. Some of the best conversations we have with our clients if we're on a walk with them or something, and we have a nice little area here we can walk, but or those moments even before you start your official session where you're talking about some things. And so that's really key that it doesn't have to be this formal time. It could just be doing an activity, but the activity is secondary to the just being connected part. Yeah.
0: So maybe we should summarize some of the key things that we've mentioned. Um, I know from the team perspective, it's just asking for help, right. Mm -hmm. And reaching out and and communicating that you do need help and to have suicidal thoughts. It's not, um, it's not a shaming thing. It's their thoughts, right. And their thoughts to express, I'm overwhelmed, I'm in pain, I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's an escape. And so one thing we didn't fully address is to find other coping skills, right. Mm -hmm. And that could be you know, things that we've already talked about on this podcast or other things we'll talk about in the, the future. life,
1: go back to that one. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, but also then seeking professional help, um, mm-hmm. either going first to the parent, then the parent connecting you or also um, finding that avenue because, you know, it is it can be normal to have those thoughts. Um, but to get help for those thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think everybody has had some kind of thought like that in the span of their lifetime. And then for parents too, on the other hand, to summarize that is be willing to listen, you know? And first, maybe even before that, be willing to pay attention to what might be the signs because you can look up on the internet all different things to look for and stuff. But when you when you really know your child, when you know your teenager, you can start to see when there are deviations from their normal, you know, way of doing things. And when you start to see those, don't be afraid to sit down and say, hey, you know, I just want to check in with you and I've noticed some things have changed and stuff. How are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, that sort of thing. And then just be willing to listen however long it takes for the answer to come out. Yeah. And then also be willing to find a therapist if if that's the case too and again we're willing to take our cars to the mechanic ourselves to the doctor the dentist whoever therapists are not so bad katie and i are here and we think you might like us so far <laughs> <laughs> maybe just maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> so well to wrap things up um this has been fun it Thanks has been for yeah talking and even in the seriousness of the topic you know it doesn't have to be scary i think We've shown that and it can actually be the step to something really powerful in your relationship with your teen and teen with the parent and stuff. And sometimes we get scared that difficult things come up, but when you overcome them, that's when you're like, oh, hallelujah, it worked and we're closer because we did it together. So if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this, if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Amanda Anguish. I'm Dr. Katie Elson, And you've been listening to the The Brain People Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com.